Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Studio Currents. I'm your host for today, Christopher Delgado. I am super excited to, to announce that today's episode is going to be on feminism and its major leaders. To start off today's episode, I'd like to begin with an interview with Kamala Harris. Audio, of course, because I'm a kid and I have no connection with her in real life. The podcast is going to be on Wonder Media Networks, so listen in. Well, you know, I think it's really important to have firsts, and I'm really honored to be the first woman Attorney General of Oregon, but I view this job as setting the stage for the second and the third and beyond, and pretty soon we won't even be keeping track anymore, just like we don't keep track of how many men there have been. From Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan. Welcome back to Women Belong in the White House. Last week, we in the United States made history. I, Kamala Davy Harris, do solemnly swear. I, Kamala Davy Harris, do solemnly swear. That I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States. That I will support and defend the Constitution. Never again can we say that men alone have held the top two leadership positions in our nation. While there are still glass ceilings to break, it's important to celebrate the progress that's been made and to talk about how we got here. On this mini-series, we're charting Vice President Harris's path to her current role by examining her previous positions and how they helped prepare her for what's next. We're exploring what it means to build a pipeline of leadership, and we're talking to folks who could one day follow in Kamala's footsteps. A quick but important note. I said it last week, but I'll say it again. Kamala Harris's path is not the only possible path to success in elected office. It's one of many paths. If you're interested in running for office, please don't see this as a checklist. Instead, you should go ahead and run. Now that we've got that covered, let's get back to where we were. Last week, we talked about the role of district attorney. From there, Kamala Harris went on to become the Attorney General of California. As the elected Attorney General of California, I did the work of significantly reforming the criminal justice system of a state of 40 million people, which became a national model for the work that needs to be done. Today we're talking about what it means to be an AG. Once we see politicians in major roles, it's easy to forget that it was a battle for them to get there. Kamala Harris's race for attorney general was extremely contentious. The outcome of the race wasn't decided till well after election night, long before that was sort of a norm. Here's Melanie Rommel, executive director of Emerge California. You know, I would say, and she says this a lot, but at every step of the way along her political journey, she broke barriers. She was the first. She was doubted, right? There was every step along the way from DA to attorney general, U.S. Senate, and now... I remember, because I was working in politics when she was running for attorney general, I remember it being the very last race that was called that year. You know, she wasn't the clear frontrunner. It was a very hotly contested race at the time. And I think it took over a month after the election that year to call it. That may seem more normal today, but in 2010, we were celebrating most election nights knowing who the winner was that, that evening. And so to wait almost, I think it was at least three weeks or a month and to see her win by a very narrow margin, it wasn't a clear path the entire time. 
Once the votes were finally tallied and Kamala Harris took over the Attorney General's office, she hit the ground running. District Attorney Rachel Rollins, who you heard from last week, spoke about how being a DA can prepare people for success as Attorneys General. District attorneys are responsible for executive decision-making and for managing a large staff. You know, I think it's the nature of the work and the executive function of the work, but also having policy writing and implementation that make us perfect for bringing, you know, things to scale in a bigger way than maybe others going from being purely legislative. I think it's easier for us to go from our job to a larger one, like AG, U.S. Senator, you know, U.S. Attorney, you know, Congressperson, House of Representatives, Governor, whatever it is, then vice versa, right, from legislative to executive, because it's a big job. Inspiring. Truly deadline inspiring on how if you work hard and do what you think is right and jump over all the hurdles in order to prove your point, you can literally achieve anything. Really is inspiring. Just how Kamala Harris went from all the way to the bottom to Attorney General, and even after that, Vice President of the United States of America. Inspiring indeed. Next on today's podcast is going to be an, yet another audio of Trisha Hersey, I and it's going to be on iHeartRadio's Hey Girl station. Listen in. Hi, I'm Alex L., and I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Join us as we journey through sharing together. Hey girl. Hey girl. It is so good to talk to you today, Trisha. How are you? I'm doing really good. I've just been having a real chill day, staring out of a window right at this moment. So I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good, too. I'm glad to hear you're having a restful day. I cannot wait to talk to you and get into (laughs) rest and communal care and all of the good, amazing things you put into the world. But before we get started, can you please let the Hey Girl listeners know who you are and what you do? Yes, I am Trisha Hersey, and I am an artist, theater maker, activist, and, you know, just a community servant. I am founder of the NAP Ministry, and the NAP Ministry is a meditation and a organization that uplifts the liberating power of rest. We name rest as resistance, and we believe rest is also a form of reparations. Mm, let's talk about that. I want to jump right in. Rest as a form of reparations. Please tell us a little more about that and why you think it's so important specifically for Black people to slow down, as you say. So please dive in with us. Yeah, I always love to keep uplifting. I'm going to uplift it until I am out of this dimension. But this organization started with me really investigating and honoring my ancestors. And my ancestors are people who were enslaved during the transatlantic slave trade, brought all over the world. My particular ancestors were brought to the South and have a lineage in Mississippi and Louisiana and were enslaved on plantations 
organizations and became the human machines that capitalism wanted them to be to be able to build up their systems, their economic systems. And so I really started with just investigating and being curious about that. And so for me, I through that work, I found and made the connection that rest is a portal for healing. It's a third space that we can go into. It is a form of reparations because it disrupts capitalism. It pushes back against white supremacy. And it's uh, reparations because it allows me to gain the dream space that was stolen from my ancestors for so many centuries. This dream space, this place of invention, this place of healing. Many things were stolen from them, but I love to uplift the idea of a dream space. This idea of this time and space where they could rest, taken from them because of slavery and because of their bodies being commodified. So I look at it now as a personal investigation and a personal honoring and remembrance to my ancestors to be able to get reparations for them in this um, realm. Mm, I love that. And something that really called me to your work are the images that you shared on social media of black women resting, black people resting, literally in rest, in Shavasana, laid out, taking a nap. Uh And just to see our people doing that, especially black women, it is something that we don't see so often. And I want to talk a little bit about that. Like, why did you think and do you think that images of black people, black women, slowing down, not doing Uh anything is so valuable for today onward and even prior to everything that's been going on in the world. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. To me, it's very intentional. That is what you see on my page. A lot of people think I'm a content creator and an influencer, and I am not. (laughs) I am an archivist and a scholar and a researcher and a artist who really has been very intentional about what I am presenting. Y'all believe this tool of social media in a lot of ways is part of my art practice. All right, guys, thank you all so much for listening. That is the end of today's podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and staying till the end. Have a great day, guys. Bye-bye.